Relationships are complicated. That's because people are complicated. And as King David returns to his throne in 2 Samuel 19 and Mephibosheth returns to him, we will see another complicated relationship and David have to work through it. And that's what we have to do. We have to work through some of our relationships to make them better, to get clarification, to get to the truth. We'll find out more about how David handles that today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. David wrote many of his psalms in the midst of his pain. This is a, an incredible psalm, and it says, To thee, O Lord, Psalm 25, 1, I lift up my soul. O my God, in thee I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for thee will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Verse 4. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For thee I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy compassion and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to thy loving kindness, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies, 11. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity. His descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely. Notice, David, I am lonely and afflicted. I'm sure this was during one of the times when he'd been hurt by so many people. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with violent hatred. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for thee. Redeem Israel, God, out of all his troubles. And then if you turn to Psalm 68, verse 4. Psalm 68, verse 4 says, Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song, 68.4, for him who rides through the deserts, whose name is the Lord, and exult before him. God, 68.5, is a father of the fatherless, a judge for the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home, notice, for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. If you think about David's uh, relationships back to 2 Samuel 19, you can put some names on your notes. Saul, Jonathan, Michael, Abigail, Bathsheba, Uriah, Joab, Absalom. And there, there could be many, many more. And as 
faces and names flashed across David's mind. Some of those people were gone. Some of those people were now his enemies. And he had to, he had to think about uh, these relationships. Mephibosheth is another one. It says of the Messiah that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Think about Jesus. Think about his relationships with his disciples. People who said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And then the next thing, he'd turn around and somebody was stabbing him in the back. Judas. So life can be complicated. And Jesus understands what complicated relationships look like. And he's pictured really, I think, in David's response to Shimei, where he did not repay evil for evil and insult for insult, as tempted as I am to do that when I'm wronged, to fire back and to say, you want to know something? Let me tell you something. Oh, yeah? But that doesn't get us anywhere. So let's take a look at the next person who approaches David. This is a man named Mephibosheth. It's in 1924, 2 Samuel. Call him another surprise visitor. Then Mephibosheth, the son, he was actually the grandson of Saul. There's no word for grandson, so it just says son of Saul, came down to meet the king. He had neither cared for his feet nor trimmed his mustache nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came home in peace. The next relationship interaction, very touching with King David as he's going back to be restored to the throne is a young man named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was lame in both his feet and David had adopted him into his own home. Mephibosheth ate at the king's table. Literally, David adopted him into his family and David did this because of his love for Mephibosheth's father who was Jonathan. Jonathan, now dead, was a good friend. Some of you have lost good friends. They're now gone. And, and David loved Jonathan so much that he wanted to show kindness to someone left in the family. And so Mephibosheth was that man. He was lame in both his feet. He had an accident when he was a little kid. And David invited him in, and he took care of him as if he were one of his own. But then something happened. And David was in his own despair, if you go back to 2 Samuel 16, here's the backstory. David had left Jerusalem. Absalom is trying to take David's throne, 2 Samuel 16, 1. David had left the city, and when David had passed a little beyond the summit, 16, 1, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them were 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a jug of wine. The king said to Ziba, 16.2, why do you have these? And Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat and the wine for whoever is faint in the wilderness to drink. And the king said, and where is your master's son? Simply put, where is Mephibosheth? David had to quickly leave the city and he was wondering, where is my adopted son, if you will? And Ziba said to the king, behold, He's staying in Jerusalem for he said, this is what he said today, today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, behold, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I will prostrate, I prostrate myself. Let me find favor in your sight. O my Lord, the king, David in his distress and anguish, he had taken Mephibosheth into his own family 
And he asked the question, you've got stuff that belongs to Mephibosheth. You've got donkeys and you've, you've provided all these goods. And I know you're a servant, so this came from him. Where is he? Where is my adopted son? Oh, this is what he said. He said, hey, today the kingdom will be restored to me. I'm going to take the throne now. Can you imagine how David must have felt? What? The young man that I brought into my house to adopt him and show him kindness is now turned his back on me in my moment of distress. You know, you can find out who your friends are when you're in a tough time. You can find out who your friends are when you ask people if they'll help you move. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Amen? That's usually when you say, I'm so glad I sold that truck. I can't help you out. I just have a little car. I'm sorry. Right? And David had to be devastated. But what David didn't know was that Mephibosheth was devastated. In fact, from the time that David left Jerusalem, Mephibosheth was a mess. Mephibosheth went into a spiral. He did not look like a man who was trying to take the throne. He looked like a man who was broken and depressed. In fact, his outward appearance, not shaving, not taking care of his feet, not washing his clothes, what it showed was that he was a broken man. And sometimes when someone's depressed, they stop taking care of themselves. What is happening on the inside often comes out on the outside. So Mephibosheth shows up and David, the last thing that he heard about Mephibosheth was that he had bailed on David and said, oh good, now I can take the throne for myself. Jesus said, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as he's with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast, Matthew 9, 15. And Mephibosheth becomes a picture of a servant of the king who's bummed that he's not there. Mephibosheth's appearance showed that Ziba was lying. Have you ever had someone tell you a lie about a friend and you believed it, maybe because the outward way that you could weigh the information verified the story, but you didn't have all the facts. John 7, 24 says, don't judge according to appearance, but judge with a righteous judgment. Trials are not a good time to make significant decisions. And what David did in the midst of the trials, he gave Ziba all that belonged to Mephibosheth in a moment of anger, in an impulse decision, reacting to a lie. Now, whether Mephibosheth may have said this is probably up for some conjecture, but I think from just the facts, if you're going to play detective right now, you would say Mephibosheth's appearance shows that he wasn't trying to betray David. He, he wasn't trying to bail on David, but David was told a lie. David believed it and made a snap decision. And when we make snap decisions without all the information, we normally get ourselves in trouble. We hear one side of the story. You come home, the lamp is broken. One of your little angelic children come up to you, Daddy, Daddy, what happened to the lamp? That brother of mine, Daddy. Right? Oh, I'm going to... 
break that kid. I was going to say kill, but, you know, that's just a metaphor anyway. Hey, listening family. If you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as he's with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast, Matthew 9, 15. And Mephibosheth becomes a picture of a servant of the king who's bummed that he's not there. Mephibosheth's appearance showed that Ziba was lying. Have you ever had someone tell you a lie about a friend and you believed it, maybe because the outward way that you could weigh the information verified the story, but you didn't have all the facts. John 7, 24 says, don't judge according to appearance, but judge with a righteous judgment. Trials are not a good time to make significant decisions. And what David did in the midst of the trials, he gave Ziba all that belonged to Mephibosheth in a moment of anger, in an impulse decision, reacting to a lie. Now, whether Mephibosheth may have said this is probably up for some conjecture, but I think from just the facts, if you're going to play detective right now, you would say Mephibosheth's appearance shows that he wasn't trying to betray David. He, he wasn't trying to bail on David, but David was told a lie. David believed it and made a snap decision. And when we make snap decisions without all the information, we normally get ourselves in trouble. We hear one side of the story. You come home, the lamp is broken. One of your little angelic children come up to you, Daddy, Daddy, what happened to the lamp? That brother of mine, Daddy. Right? Oh, I'm going to break that kid. I was going to say kill, but, you know, that's just a metaphor anyway. So, and then the other kid comes, and he's got a better version of the story and got a few facts, and, and sometimes we discipline or we react, and we don't have all the facts, and then we're a little embarrassed and the other side of the story is told. And so it was back in chapter 19, verse 25, when he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said to him, and this had to be hard for Mephibosheth to even get to this location because he was lame. And David asked a natural question. He's probably surprised to be, see Mephibosheth. And he said, he said, why? 25, middle of the verse. Why, why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, oh, my Lord, the king, my servant, he's talking about Ziba, deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go with the king because your servant is lame. Here's what appears to be the situation. Mephibosheth wanted a donkey saddled. He was lame. 
He was waiting on the servant and the servant saddled the donkeys, got the provisions together and took off without Mephibosheth. And what do you, why do you think Ziba did that? Probably because if he could meet the king in his distress, it'd be a good career move for him. And he knew if he left Mephibosheth behind and there was nobody in the house, there would be nobody to help him get to the king. And he could tell a lie about him and position himself to climb the corporate ladder. Because we know people don't do that today. They don't whisper in the boss's ear about, well, you know, uh, this is what's happening with so-and-so. Maybe you've been... Somebody lied about you at work and they got the position and you're like, Lord, how could this be? But let me say to you, the truth eventually comes out. People who weave a web of lies usually end, end up being caught in their own web. So take courage if that's you. David made some assumptions and Mephibosheth now is straightening out the king. He said, moreover, he has 27 slandered your servant. He lied about me to my lord, the king. But my lord, the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your sight. You're like an angel to me. You took me into your household. You could see by his outward uh, look, he was devastated. And he's saying something like this, Ziba told a zinger about me, king. It's false. He duped me. He duped you. It's a lie. Now think about David. David has given Ziba all of Mephibosheth's land. And now he's thinking, oh my goodness, maybe this whole thing was a ruse. It was a lie. For all my father's household was nothing but dead men, Mephibosheth continues, before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who ate at your own table. What right do I have yet that I should complain any more to the king? I'm not going to say any more, he said. You've adopted me. The only reason I'm alive is because of you. I should have been a dead man. Think of, if Absalom would have captured the throne, do you think Mephibosheth would have been killed? I think so. Because Absalom didn't want any rivals to the throne. So Mephibosheth is just basically saying to David, I've told you the truth, but I'm not going to say any more because who am I? You've been so good to me. And David found himself in a quandary. What would he do now? So the king said to him, why do you still speak of your affairs, 29? I have decided you and Ziba shall divide the land. David changed what he said earlier. He had given all the land to Ziba. Let me just say, here's an application point. Some bad decisions simply need to be reversed. If you made a bad decision in the past and you can reverse it, don't be too ashamed to change it. If you made an error because you didn't have the full facts, don't be afraid to say, I made a mistake. I'm going to reverse my decision. As a king, he could have just said, you know what? You need to live with it. I made an official pronouncement from the crown, too bad. But he said, no, I'm going to have you divide the land. Now, some of you read that and you think, divide the land? What are you talking about? Divide the land? He should give all the land back to Mephibosheth and he should hang Ziba, right? What's David doing here? We don't know for sure, but he may be testing Mephibosheth. I want you to turn. Um, there's a passage in 1 Kings. It's right. 
Okay, just the next book to the right. Check this out. 1 Kings 3, 16. Solomon is now, uh, as David's son, taken the throne. Two women, 1 Kings 3.16, who were harlots, came to the king, stood before him. One woman said, oh my Lord, 1 Kings 3.17, this woman and I live in the same house and gave birth to a child while she was in the house. It happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child. We were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, only two of us in the house. This woman's son died in the night because she lay on it, 20. She arose in the middle of the night, took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept, laid him in her bosom, and laid her dead son in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, it was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no. For the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, no, for the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Almost sounds like your children in the back seat. Thus they spoke before the king, no, yeah, no. Then the king said, 23, the one says, this is my son who is living, and your son is the dead one. The other says, no, for your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. The king said, get me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, divide the living child in two. Give half to the one and half to the other. The woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son and said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Wow. Then the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child. By no means kill him. She is his mother. And when all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Back to 2 Samuel. Is it possible that Solomon, using the same tactic as David, said, we're going to divide the land to see what Mephibosheth would say? If Mephibosheth made a big deal about it, maybe that would reveal his heart. There are so many situations where families get into debates and arguments about property and possessions. And if you put possessions above people, you will not have healthy relationships. And it is sad that many people who end up with a loved one dying, they get in fights over the will, and it is very sad. And I'm not saying people don't have legitimate gripes about you know, what should take place here, but it, it reveals people's hearts in these moments. And I think David maybe was trying to find out about Mephibosheth's heart. And Mephibosheth would tell the king that he didn't care about the land. Verse 30, back in 2 Samuel 19, he said to the king, let him even take it all. I don't care, 30 since my Lord the King has come safely to his own house, I don't care about the land. I don't care about the stuff. You were taking care of me anyway. Let him have it. I don't care. What do you think that meant to David's heart? He probably said, ah, now I can see that you're telling the truth. Maybe David was a bit stunned, but Mephibosheth was restored. We need to remember these lessons. 
Now there's a third visitor that comes to the king, verse 31. His name is Barzillai. It's a, he made a form of pasta back in the day. It's a, kind of a squirrely little, small, just kidding. Anyway. Now he was a Gileadite, and he had come down from Rogelum. They made uh, things that helps your hair grow back. Um, just kidding. And he went on to the Jordan with the king to escort him over the Jordan. Barzillai, by the way, if you look it up in Hebrew dictionaries, lexicons, means iron-hearted or Iron Man. I'm not kidding. Barzillai's name is Iron Man. Woo! Everything comes from the Bible. People just don't know. Okay? And he was 80. How about an 80-year-old Iron Man? Gotta love it, right? Those Iron Man competitions are pretty cool. I was telling uh, a group, and I'm not sure if it was this group, but uh, about an Ironman competition where there was a father and a son, and the son was handicapped, and he really can't talk or walk. He speaks through a computer, and his dad pulls him in Ironman competitions. Uh, he'll ride a bike with his son on the back. He'll pull him in a boat for the swimming portion, and uh, he runs and pulls his son, and his son put into the computer, when my dad is running, it feels like I am. And the dad's, I think, in his 50s or 60s, and he's a stud. Calves are just, <laughs> right? And it's just such a beautiful story. Well, Barzillai, um, when he was very old, look at verse uh, 32, being 80 years old, and I'm sorry if you're close to 80, but that's what the Bible says. <laughs> he had it sustained the king while he stayed at Mahanaim. He was a very great man. Uh, ESV, NIV says he was a wealthy man. And he shows up. Now, it had to be a hard trip for him from Rodellum to this location because he was 80 and it was hard to travel. But he had sustained the king. In fact, in an earlier chapter, just to get the backstory, 2 Samuel 17, 26, take a peek. 17, 26, it says, Israel, Absalom camped in the land of Gilead. 2 Samuel 17, 27. Now, when David had come to Mahanaim, Shobi, the son of Nahash from Rabbah, of the sons of Ammon, Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite, from Rogelum, brought beds, basins, pottery, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans, lentils, parched seeds, honey, curd, sheep, cheese of the herd, for David and the people who were with him to eat, for they said the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Barzillai was an awesome guy. Iron Man. Hey, listening family, if you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. 
Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.